Welcome back to Random Book Club Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Van. With me today is Donovan McMullen, one of my best friends. Don, good to see you, bro. Good to see you, too. I'm waving, but you can't see me because I don't have a camera yet. That's okay. We don't need them. We just need your sweet oh, voice, you your sweet, sweet voice, me. my man. So we, All are, right, that works. we are reading The Witcher by, what's this? But The Witcher by Wes Andre, Andre Sapkowski. Oh, nope. That guy. And uh, we're going to cover the first couple chapters of this book. So let's just jump right into it in chapter one. So chapter one. Good chapter. Most, good chapter. It's a real long one, guys. The whole three pages. <laughs> uh, chapter one, the voice of reason. Summary. She came to him toward morning. She entered very carefully, moving silently, floating through the chamber like a phantom. The only sound was that of her mantle brushing her naked skin. Um, the mantle, by the way, I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up. A mantle is basically like a sleeveless cloak or like a I it'd be like a nightgown. Yeah, yeah, like basically, a nightgown. yeah, nightshirt. Like a lacy, like a lacy, uh, like a sexy, nightgown. like a sexy nightshirt. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So the first chapter of this book begins with a nameless woman sneaking into the bedchamber of the Witcher early in the morning while he is asleep, even though she is extra quiet. The soft noises of movement from her skin brushing against her shawl was enough to wake him. He looks at her through his eyelashes as she climbs onto the bed and then onto him. No words are spoken as she brushes her hair and her body against his face, making the witcher smile. He grabs onto her and the two begin to make love as the witcher, and this is from the book, sank into a sea of chamomile as it grew agitated and seethed. So that's like a cool way of saying like, we got busy, bruh. <laughs> Think into a safe and that's chapter one and scene <laughs> thanks for listening yep um, yeah so uh you're drinking some chamomile tea is that stuff really good am. does it taste good it is. it is actually pretty good um it's not like that clove Oof, i don't really know how to describe it i don't know how to describe it i really can't it's one of those weird ones tea to me is all it's all different but all the same so this first chapter uh, the voice of reason. Again, this is one of those chapters where this is the framing chapter. This is like present day, and we're getting our first glimpse at two characters that we don't know. Obviously, we know that the Witcher is the guy because it says in the book, like, she climbs into the chamber of the Witcher. But we don't know who she is. We don't know who the heck she is. They don't talk no. at all. But there's some interesting things that I wanted to bring up about it. So some points here to discuss. So at this point, there are no words, names, or locations given. Just two people in the early morning about to enjoy each other's company so they are obviously in a safe place because you wouldn't like this isn't some battlefield or something like that so wherever they're at it's a safe haven of some site some type we just don't know where it is so uh something else that i wanted to bring up was it seemed like we're in sort of a, a perspective or like the narrator's perspective um, of the Witcher or the narrator itself, and we get glimpses into his character, even though not a lot has happened. And what I mean by that is um, the things that are described, even in these three pages, kind of tell you about the world a little bit. So here, here's, a, here's some points. A girl sneaks into his room, and he wakes up. He doesn't greet her or even open his eyes all the way to let her know that he sees her. He actually just peers through his lashes, kind of like laying in hiding while pretending to be asleep. So it's like it's giving you like personality of this Witcher guy, which 
um, in, in an interesting way. I've never thought, you know, you've, you've done that before in your life, right? Like yeah. you've woken up early in the morning and you're not going to let someone know that you're awake, but you're just kind of like looking through your eyelashes and stuff. You know, and it's, and it's interesting too, cause you can take it multiple ways. Like, is he just that light of a sleeper? He mm-hmm. never really sleeps. And that's why that was enough to wake him. Cause that's almost inaudible, you know, like you can't hear clothing on skin. Like not if you're no. not a, not a witcher. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Or, or is it because he has like supersonic X-Men hearing, you know what I mean? Where he can hear clothes on skin. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting too. When he does hear it, he wakes up, but immediately knows who it is. Kind of like how you would know, like when your mom or dad walks up the the stairs to wake you up, you know (laughs) which one it is based on the footsteps. Like he knows, oh, that's, uh, you know, that's my girl with her mantle. You know, that's what what's her man, that's a mantle chick mantle girl. Uh, we also get a glimpse at his worldview of being a monster hunter with the description of the nameless girl's eyes. So this is at the <coughs> end of the chapter when he's like looking into her eyes and the narrator, this could be the narrator. This could be the witcher. I'm not really sure yet. Her eyes glimpsed when her face came close to his were huge and dark as the eyes of a water nymph. So we got our first creature, bruh. Water Ideally, nymph. or or it could be a simile, just really, you know, like yep. the, basically the water nymph exists and that's what they also look like. Her, and her eyes kind of resemble that or may possibly she is one. Yeah, because like it says her skin's cool or whatever. But Dude's sleeping with water nymphs. That would be awesome. He's but, a witcher. I mean, whoever that is, he is that. I think so he's, it, they're not calling him human. Yeah, I think it is um, more along the lines of what you were suggesting as like a simile. Like this is like, you know, like her eyes were as big as a frog's eyes, but they're saying it right. Oh, man, she's a frog. She's know? a frog. And so yeah. we get a like the narrator of this book or whoever the perspective is coming from, from the narration is in this world. So it immediately puts you in the world like, oh, yeah, dude, like a water nymph. Yeah, we know about that because that's a, in our world, you know, like so, it's a really cool way of writing it. With that being said, um, and I, I think the narration of this book is going to be from a narrator, but that narrator is almost like the internal of Geralt. Like, yeah. Like it's going to be what he knows, and the narrator can only narrate, I believe, what he knows. I, I don't think we're going to see any narration that's like, surprise, surprise, Geralt doesn't know this, but this is also happening. You know, two towns away. Yep. Meanwhile, I don't think we're going to get any of those. Not a whole lot of that, probably. So I like that. I, I like the way the narration is so far. So uh, moving on to other things, people of note in this chapter, we got Nameless Girl. Obvious, obviously has a very close relationship with the Witcher. He doesn't startle in the least to her unannounced approach while he, sleep, he slept. So they're obviously close. And we've got the Witcher. A guy in bed, very stoic. <laughs> guy in bed. Guy in bed. We got guy him. in bed. Everybody's got to have one. He wakes up in bed. That's a good start to any story. Is a good night's sleep, dude, and a great morning. You got it, dude. He's very stoic. He doesn't move a muscle when surprised when his, when a surprised visitor shows up. Thinks about creatures when comparing features of the nameless girl. So like he's that's his world. That's the narrator's world kind of thing. Um, yeah. Bestiary. We got a phantom. So uh, that actually happened when the girl was approaching quiet as a phantom. And I wasn't sure because we have phantoms in our world. You know, I wasn't sure if I was going to add it or not, but I'm adding it. Apparently, 
Uh, they're quiet, and it's in reference to the girl sneaking into the bedroom like one. And then we also got – As quiet as a mouse. As quiet as those phantom mice, my man. Um, yeah, ghost mice. <laughs> we also got the water nymph, huge dark eyes. That's all we know about them. I mean, obviously, you could probably just Google it, and it's probably similar. <laughs> She's nymph. Um, She's made out of water. Questions for Andre, the author. Uh, I wonder how Ooh. difficult it was – to get a good translator for this book. His writing is pretty flowery in its descriptions. So here's an example from the book. Uh, it's when um, she walks in and they talk about the Witcher like rousing from his, his sleep. Yet this faint sound was enough to wake the Witcher or maybe only tore him away from the half slumber in which he rocked monotonously as though traveling through, fath- through fathomless depths suspended between the seabed and its calm surface amid gently undulating strands of seaweed. <laughs> so it's like, how did you, how did you translate that? Like, there are so many flowery words in there that it, this is obviously just you know he's not actually in an ocean. It's just and, talking and I'm not about familiar it. with Polish to American translations, but yeah, either translator did a fantastic job, amazing job uh, of what of what this author laid out, which was fantastic, right? Or Took some could it be as silly? Could it be as silly as him? Was like he felt like he was wet seaweed, and yeah. then the translator was like, "I'm gonna flower this up a little bit." Yeah, maybe. but I would like to believe it's the author. I would like to believe that the author did did everything proper, did everything like this because it's pretty consistent throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I don't think you're getting a translator in there that's like, oh, "I'm gonna change your word, and make it consistent." Yeah, so. th- this book is is very well written from the get go, and um, I'm really enjoying it. It's a, it's a really it's almost putting me in a different headspace as far as like, yes, it, it really does a good job of like transporting you to this world. Cause everything's a little weird, but you understand everything. Like I've never heard someone describe waking up from a dream as being amid gently undulating strands of seaweed, but it makes sense. Like, yeah, it is kind of like kinda right. waking up and getting past that, you know? So that's going to do it for chapter one. Now we're going to move on to chapter 1.1. It's the beginning of the short story called entitled The Witcher. Summary. Later, it was said the man came from the north, from Roper's Gate. He came on foot, leading his laden horse by the bridle. It was late afternoon, and the Roper's saddlers and tanner's stalls were already closed, the street empty. It was hot, but the man had a black coat thrown over his shoulder. He drew attention to himself. So... It starts off with dude coming into town uh, through a place and called – Through a yeah, – Wow, wow, very wow. Western. Yeah, for real, for real. He's walking his horse in, and he's wearing a big-ass coat on a hot day. And people are like, uh, who's this stranger? <laughs> Why is he so stupid wearing a big-ass coat on a hot day? <laughs> That's what they're thinking, but they don't realize that he's like walking around. He's Henry Cavill, first of all. First of all, he's Superman. First of all, he's Superman. Um, one of the things that I really liked about this chapter is pretty much right away in the beginning is actually probably a couple sentences, if not a paragraph after what you just read. Um, one of the things that really caught me was the first thing, because I really, like you were talking before, I really enjoy the detail, the mm-hmm. level of where it trans places you into a new area and you're like, okay, one of my biggest problems as a reader was I read really fast and I retain pretty well, but the problem with that is that I don't have the chance to go into this 
fantasy world where I cannot picture things. Right. I, I know it sounds dumb, but that's always been my problem with books. I can read fast, retain most of it. And then I never get this fantasy world. I get ideas and I get pictures in my head and that's yeah, about it, points. but not for the whole book. Just, yep. Yep. Maybe just like one picture for even a hundred pages to sum up that whole book for me with this. I really liked it. How even when he's talking about the bartender wiping off his hands yep. on his burlap cloth apron or whatever, the way that that was read, I wish I had that passage in front of me because it was just, you're it right was there. so well done. Yeah. It was so well done. It, he doesn't give you so much information that you're like, all right, we get it. He's a bartender. We get it. But he doesn't just say the bartender. And there's just, it was the perfect mixture. It was the perfect amount. It's introducing this character that literally has no role, but to pour a glass yet. Now, all of a sudden I know what he's wearing. I know what he looks like. It was it very is. well done. Here, here's the line that you were talking about. Um, Go ahead. The innkeeper raised his head above the barrel of pickled cucumbers and measured the man with his gaze. The outsider, still in his coat, stood stiffly in front of the counter, motionless and silent. What'll it be? Beer, said the stranger. His voice was unpleasant. The innkeeper wiped his hands on his canvas apron and filled a chipped earthenware tankard. It's like, you're That's there, it. dude. You're there. That's it. He nailed it. He just yep. nailed it. I remember that sentence being just, give me a beer. And it's like, they tell you the tankard. They tell you he's wiping his hands. And it's just, you see him do that. You see him literally, yeah, we've been there. And I've read other it fantasy books. The, the, the other fantasy books I've read have been like more, uh, gen, like not generic fantasy, but like basic fantasy, like middle grade or early high school fantasy, where it's very much like the travelers get into the tavern order beers, and then go to the corner seat. And it's, they, yep. they have some things like the, the corner the mug and of, seat. Yeah, the mug of ale uh, was had froth coming off the top or something like that. Yeah. They, they'll make those yep. details. But where they're actually, instead of having just flat characters being like, I will have a beer. This is actually like a dude, he's like in the middle of his cu pickled cucumbers. And he's like, all right, let me wipe this cucumber juice off. I'll get you a mug here. And it's not just any old mug. It's a freaking tankard, a clay yep. earthenware tankard. It puts you right there. You can smell it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's a really, and yeah, that's, you're right. I like the and detail. That's why I like that he went into the detail about the mug and what he was wearing, but didn't go into the detail about what the pickled broth was in, or he didn't yep. go into detail about necessarily what the jacket was made out of in that sentence. He didn't go into detail about what the floors looked like in the bar in that same sentence. It was very clean. And every description was added nicely. Yeah, it felt more it natural. It's like what you would, it was like yes. what you would experience if you walked into a tavern. Well, you, know, you would notice. Yeah, you see wood. You, you know, you see the oak wood, or if you have a better understanding of different types of wood, you know it's like you know Douglas fir or something like that. You know the smell <laughs> of that, but you don't need that description to give you an idea of what the feeling is in there. Having the actual like characters interacting with their environment that aren't related to the story makes those details better you know so yeah. yeah totally with you on that so um let's see here so the man who dressed in an odd way uh for how warm the weather was made his way to the old naracot inn stood outside the place listening to the sounds from the full inn then decided not to enter so he walks up to an inn a very big inn very popular and he's standing outside, and he's just listening to all the bustle and hustle or whatever inside. And he's like, 
mm, fuck that there's too many people and i've done that hundreds of times yep hundreds of times you're like ah no saturday night they got bad karaoke on yep. to the next one and then you go play pool by yourself and a couple of other friends upstairs in a place yep so he headed down the street with his horse and entered a tavern called the fox which had which had a bad reputation so naturally it was almost empty so I like how we already are getting a taste of the character and his personality. He doesn't dress like other people. He doesn't like other people. And he purposely will go out of his way to go to some place that's more secluded. So without, this guy has not said a fucking word since he's entered town. We already know he's an outsider. We already know he doesn't want to be around people. He just caught, he for whatever reason, he just wants to be as secluded as possible. And I'm like, this dude's an introvert anti-social i'm with them dude i actually thought he was a robot from the future until this point but anyway continue. yeah that's the terminator version of the witcher we'll we'll get to that in book 19 yeah <laughs> back to the past to the so beginning. the stranger stands intimidatingly still as the innkeeper serves him a beer he takes off his coat and everyone starts checking him out he wasn't old but had white hair wore a leather jerkin, and carried a sword, which in itself wasn't odd for the people of uh, Wizim. Are we calling it Wizim or Vizim? I think it's Vizim. I don't know how they pronounce it. I don't know. The Polish pronunciation. How is it spelled? Okay, so in my Kindle version, it's spelled W-Y-Z-I-M. And when you look that up on, like, the Polish translator.com or whatever, um, they call it Vizim. What did Peter Frampton call it? Peter Peter calls it. Vajim. Vajim? Yep. Well, let's go with Vajim then. Okay. So I'm going to probably just say Vajim because I'm fancy. Uh, That's fine. So anyway. Sounds so, better anyway. Sounds so more they're talking, Yeah, they're talking about the sword that he has, which isn't weird because the people of Vajim all carry swords. But he's carrying his sword on his back, almost like a bow or a quiver. Yep. And that was really weird. And the people are like, hmm, yeah. this guy's not Instead from around here. Side. The innkeeper is weirded out by the stranger as he drinks from his tanker while standing at the counter rather than sitting with the other guests. So he gets his beer and he just goes. Yeah, yeah. Just looking at just looking at the innkeeper. Well, I think I think one of the cool ones, too, and I hate to keep bringing up the descriptives. but No, like, do it, dude. That's old. what this is all about. We just go deep dive. He wasn't old, but he had white hair. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a very cool way of saying he's kind of a new age. No, I'm just kidding. It's a cool way of saying that that he had white hair but he shouldn't have yeah it was an odd like uh marker that distinguished him from other people like but again i like how that was brought to you it wasn't it wasn't very simply uh his hair looked like an old man but he was 35 yeah. they didn't they don't have to say that it, it's just simply he wasn't an old guy but he had white hair yep just a very simple, and that's how you would look at him. You walk in a place, you look at people, you kind of just quickly scan. Yep. That guy's not old, but yep. he has full white hair, you know? It's just uh, interesting. So the innkeeper is weirded out by the stranger as he drinks from his tankard while standing at the counter rather than sitting with the other guests. The stranger asks him for a room, to which the innkeeper refuses multiple times. The innkeeper, the innkeeper then recognizes the stranger's Rivian accent. So he's from which a place. is crazy to me because I want to know how many people are from Rivia. Yeah, if that bar or how long that bartender's been a bartender, which is probably we can assume his whole life. Well, let's let's uh, dive into that. Let's dive into that a little deeper. 
So where is Rivia? I'm going to pull up a map. You don't have a map in front of you, right? Um, I used to have a game, one from the old game. Okay. Well, that same. On to the, the puck. On, well, on the next one, um, you know, you'll have a map, but I'll, I'll just show where we're at and where Rivia is at. So here's the world that I found off of a Google search. It's a really detailed map as you zoom in. Um, so there's a lot of places here. Let's first go to Rivia. So if I scroll down here, here's the, the city of Rivia. It's on the kind of eastern side of the map, just past the Mahakin Mountain that's right in the middle. Uh, so there's Rivia. This place that we're in right now, Vajim, is way over here to the west. So and it's very interesting that he knows that accent. Yeah. So like... Well, they're kind of notorious, I think, in Rivia because later on when they start, some of the locals start uh, calling them out on some shit. And um, it becomes obvious that people from Rivia aren't really well liked. <laughs> yeah. So so here's uh, Vajim. And on this uh, on this map, it's the, the Polish word. They spell it W-Y-Z-I-M-A, like almost like Wyzimia. Is it Wyzima? But we're just going to call it uh, Vajim. And so he would have had to travel several hundred miles and then go around the mountain or over the mountain to get to where he's at now. And they said that he came in through the northern, what was that place called? Uh, the North Gate, the Roper's Pass or something, Roper's Gate. So that's on the northern side of town. So that means yep. he's had to he go through Doradol. Or, or he's not been there for a very long time. Yeah. So that's just a quick little um, glimpse into the map there. So um, the innkeeper recognizes the stranger's Rivian accent. Then a pockmarked beanpole of a man tries to pick a fight <laughs> with the stranger, stating basically that as an outsider from Rivia, he is not welcome here. Another two men join in the poking fun, and the stranger says that he'll finish his beer. He's like, I'm going to finish my beer before I'm leaving here. The beanpole man says he'll help him, and slaps the tankard out of the stranger's hand. Then the sword started to hiss in its sheath and glowed in the dim light of the tavern. It's just a quick, and then there's a glow in the dim light of the tavern. It doesn't describe him swinging the sword. It doesn't describe him doing anything. There's just a glow in the dim light, which is really cool because as a reader, you're like, okay, so did the sword the just sword glowing? Yeah, <laughs> right. read the next sentence. In a split second, all three assailants were dispatched by the stranger. Gruesome slashes on their bodies from the sword. A woman screamed in horror, and the innkeep vomited. The stranger it. falls back to a wall with his sword up, scoping the place out as three guards rush in. So the very next sentence is you're like, oh, he just totally just smoked these guys. Um, and in the in the book, um, going back to the Rivia thing, they say something about how uh, people from Rivia are thieves, and he's got shit in his ears and stuff like that, and like because he's from Rivia. So obviously, Rivia is kind of notorious for maybe producing some weird people or shitty people. Yeah. So uh, at this point, uh, Geralt, it almost seems like he's frantic because they're describing he's just described as waving his sword back and forth as he's like scoping out the room. Like he's in go mode at this point. Um, so it's just interesting how quickly he was able to do that. So the guards rush in 
carrying nightsticks, but upon seeing the carnage, quickly equip their swords. The stranger pulls a dagger from his boot, and the guards shakily demand that he disarms himself. He tells the guards that he will come with them, but they are way too skittish and seem like they want to kill him. Then the stranger moves his hands in intricate signs, which cast some sort of spell that causes the bolts on the guard's armor to flash. I, he again tells the guards he will go with them willingly, and they will take him to the Castellan, which is a governor. The guards agree and escort the stranger out of the tavern, the guests hiding their faces as they walk, as he walks by. So that that ends the chapter, and what an ending. Pretty po- big power move. That's yeah. what we call power move. It was really cool because we see a couple things there first his prowess with like fighting he's just a straight killer next is how quickly he is at strategy to the point where three dudes come in and they're all holding these they had a different name for um the nightstick it was called a let's see here bludgeon a truncheon a truncheon a truncheon okay which is uh, a short thick stick carried by police officers and it's basically a nightstick and uh, the guards of regime carry them as their first weapon when entering encounters. Like, if we just need to knock someone out, we're just going to knock someone out. But then they walked in there, and they saw, like, bloody slashes and people dead and blood, like, <laughs> spilling out on the floor. They're One like, big slash that fucking went across three bodies, bro. Yeah. Uh, They're like, oh, okay, this guy's a Ninja Turtle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they hear some hissing out. from a sheath. Yeah, no, man. <laughs> that dude's sword's a snake or something, dude. We got to... <laughs> Yeah, it's still hissing. He whipped it out so fast. So then um, we also see, I think, our first form of magic, right? He's moving his yeah, hands. and from then anyone. The, and then the bolts on the armor of the, the heavily clad guards, like, start to flash. And in my mind, I, I think they just got white hot is what I thought. Like, they, they he superheated them or something. And that would be his Igni. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because so, he, he has about... I think seven signs that he can do. I'd have to look it up to confirm, but that's What's from Igni? the video games What's too. Igni? Igni would be his flame. I believe it was his flame sign. So you okay. draw a certain symbol and he could either like set shit on fire, you know, set a torch on fire when he's walking down a cave or send out a blast of fire. But there was like Ard. I think Ard is either the shield or that's, he's able to blow like just wind, just a force at people. Um, God, oh, that's what cool. were some of the other ones? Well, that's yeah. cool. So this is our first he has sight. A he has a couple. Yeah, this is our first sight at magic, and it scares the They're supposed crap. to be simple. Yeah, it scares the crap out of them, but I think in the, this world of magical creatures and stuff, where, again, where it covers these fighting the dragon, um, I think just being able to blow a fireball is like Mario raccoon suit stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the weird thing to me was like, okay, if, someone, if I'm a guard and I'm walking in and then someone starts casting magic on my ass... Mm-hmm. Like why yeah, all you're of going, a sudden? We'll take you to the governor. Well, why all of a sudden do they do that? Why wouldn't they just c- try to kill him? Is it because they know they're going to die? They can't. Yeah, they can't kill him. So they do take. Let me, him to let the me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You're a police officer nowadays. Yeah. You go to a bar, and some dude is sitting there levitating midair with laser beams coming out of his eyes, and everyone in the bar is dead. And he's like, "Take me to your captain." And you just yep. be like, "Okay." Let's like, go. Yeah, I'm taking you to the Castellan. He's like, what's that? I'm like, it's a governor. <laughs> it's a governor. Don't worry about it. You're going right to the president. Yeah, there's a lot of words in this book that I don't understand and I have to look up, which is fine, but it's, it's kind of interesting, um, like different verbiage and stuff. 
Uh, but that was, I really like the ending of that where we get a glimpse of this stranger, which of course we can assume is the Witcher because the title of this short story is the Witcher and how he has control over other people in the sense of he does like, he didn't want trouble, man. He's Jackie Chan in this scenario. I don't want trouble. He, he went to another, he went to the Fox specifically because the inn was the old Maricot inn was like so full. And then of course people start shit with him because he's from Rivia and he's got a weird accent or something. So probably he's like a Louisiana guy. That's what he sounds like. Y'all got some beer? I need a room. Yeah, guys, some gator. I got some gator. They're like, dude, get out of here. We don't want here. You freaking. He's like, all I had was some freaking gator. <laughs> They're just like, oh my god. What has he got? Shit in his ears, man. Get this guy out of here. Shit in his ears. I think that was one of the insults from the book. Yeah, um, it was. So yeah. here's some points to bring up. Um. There is such a different writing style from what I'm used to. This is something that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but I wanted to get into it a little bit more depth. The basic descriptions really give you insight into the personality of the stranger. And the way the, the, the descriptions give you this insight of, well, how do I describe this? Kind of like we were talking about earlier where, the way he's talking about the things that he notices is very different from what we're used to seeing. And it, and it is a different style of writing than I've ever seen before in any other book. Uh, mainly because I've only pretty much read books that are from America or American authors. So you don't really get this or even British, you know what I mean? But in Poland, they probably have different, a different upbringing, you know, and, and they see different things or the things that they notice, like all the way going back to the first chapter where he's looking through his eyelashes. It's something we've all done, but I've never seen that in a book. It's like a really kind of cool way of of giving description that adds more to the character than it does to the world. Without saying without him having to have a dialogue. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Instead of saying instead of saying he pretended to be asleep, he says he looked through his eyelashes at her without moving. And so that gives you a, a completely different perspective than just a flat he pretended to be asleep because you don't know if he's doing it jokingly you don't know if he's doing it uh, because he's afraid he's trained yeah yeah when someone is laying still and and is chilling and looking through their eyelashes that's more of a i don't know it, it gives it gives you a different perspective and i really like it so i'm really digging this polish style yeah um, what do you think about that well, it could be the Polish style, or it could just be that this author does that brilliantly, and he can do that's it true. You know, regardless of what he was. It's just that's how he thinks individually. Um, I'd have to, you know, read more Polish fantasy books about dragons and stuff, or half well, mutants they fighting well, dragons. Not even that. But I no, mean, no, it is. It's so interesting, though. Is I think half of the fun of these stories, like. Getting into it, you know the story is going to be good, right? We know that these stories are going to be at least somewhat readable. Yep. Obviously, it's it's been turned into a video game. It's been turned into a Netflix series. We know that there's some there's something edible. There's something worth nutritious in these stories. Yeah. So we know that. We know it's going to be good. But it's more than just this cool story. It has the right amount of flourish without making it too much yeah you know i want i want to yeah i want to know that the guy leaves his house and goes to the grocery store 
but I don't need to know what every single individual curb looks like or sidewalk right. uh, stamp looks like all the way to the store and how many cars he passes because then what's the story about the trip to the grocery store or what he's getting at the grocery store, you know? And yeah. it, it's not just simple, but it's very well blended. That's the thing that I think I like the most about. Yeah, that's awesome. So that, that ends the chapter. Um, we're going to go over some extra notes here. Places of note, Roper's Gate, the northern entrance to the city of Vajim. We got Old Naracourt Inn. It's a busy inn that, uh, that is usually full of people, and the stranger did not enter. That's because he doesn't have rewards there. <laughs> Can't get any quest points there. Um, and then we have the Fox, which is a small tavern with a bad reputation, less people, and it serves beer. And it also it's serves pickled cucumbers. So yeah. you're looking for a little which refreshing. Just, as uh, we know, as just pickles. Yep. Yeah. We would just call them oh, pickles. Oh, is that what that is? Is a pickled yeah. cucumber? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I'm an idiot. How did uh, I not know that? Or else we would just call them pickles. Uh, yeah, I know. That's exactly I love what pickles. it is. I love pickled cucumbers. You want something pickles. That you, want to, you want to know something else that will blow your mind? Is it a fruit or a vegetable? I would call it, it's got seeds, so fruit. On the inside. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, welcome to welcome to the new world. Welcome to the Everyone. world. It does seem like a vegetable, though, because it's green. Because it's green. Just like just like apple, green Granny Smith apples, those are vegetables too, right? Um, so I really like the name of the Fox or of the tavern as the Fox. Yeah. Cause for me, like I've always, I'm one of those weird people that have like, you know, uh, affinity towards certain animals. And one of them is a Fox. So as soon as I'm reading this, I'm getting into this story. It's a new story for me. And they, the first place he goes to is the Fox. I'm like, I'm already being pulled into the story. I really like that. Um, then we got, uh, Vajim and that's the town where the story starts off in. Uh, in the bar scene, it's also noted that nearly every man in Vajim carried a weapon. So it's kind of one of those, this is the kind of setting we're in. Yep. We've also got Rivia, and it's a town far southeast of Vajim. People have shit in their ears. Past of the Mahakam Mountains, Rivians have a noticeable accent. The general stereotype of Rivians is that they are all thieves. So that's kind of interesting. We'll get into that later, maybe. People of note, we got the stranger which is probably the Witcher. Not old, but has almost entirely white. Uh, uh, his hair is almost entirely white. Under his coat, he wears a leather jerkin laced up at the neck and shoulders. He's got an unpleasant voice. He doesn't like crowds. He wears warm clothing, even in hot climates. His accent gives him away to the innkeeper as a Rivian, and he keeps a dagger in his boot. And I wanted to bring that up because I thought that was really cool. It's just nonchalant. He grabs his dagger from his boot. And it's like, this dude is freaking ready to go at any time. That's what we know he has on him. Yeah. Like, what? however, how many other daggers do we have? So now we know that if, in the story, he just pulls something out of his jerkin, we're like, yeah, he puts stuff away, you know? We know. Sense. We know he's hiding stuff. He's got pockets. Objects of note. Barrel of pickled cucumbers. Seems to be a staple of the tavern food in Vagine. <laughs> the stranger's sword. He wears it strapped to his back like a bow or quiver. When there is danger, it seems to hiss in its sheath, and it glows. I think the hissing in his sheath is when he pulled it out. It was the humming oh, of his sheath. Oh, okay. So yeah, he, and the flash. Goes, is, 
like that. And that's the hiss, and okay. then the flash is the swipe. Is the glow. Yeah, it's very okay. Yeah, and see what's funny to me is uh like the first time I read that, I literally thought his sheath was hissing that's and what his I thought. sword was glowing. Until I just totally I read past that. that until we started talking about it tonight. I'm like, Oh yeah, that actually makes sense. Okay, that makes a ton of sense because when you're pulling it out, it does make you kind don't, of a noise. Yeah, you need the for, the two sentences together, and then it makes total sense. And now I also feel like the glowing is kind of what you're referring to here, where it was probably just a quick glow off, like a glint of the light of the dim tab. Well, from him not, swinging it. Not like yeah, a blue glow. It's it. not like actually glowing. He's just like right, whoosh, right. just a whip around, and all you see is just a kind of a, a glow in front of you. You know. Oh, shit. That's what happened. Oh, shit. And then they look down, they're bleeding, and they're... They look down, and their one eyeball's looking up at them. Yep, exactly. They cut them across the face, I, although it didn't say. Another object here is truncheons, a short, thick stick carried by police officers, basically a nightstick. The guards of Vajim carry them as their first weapon entering an encounter. I brought that up earlier, but I wanted to bring it up because if you don't have a dictionary on you, you don't know what a truncheon is. Uh, magics and spells. So we get our first taste of magic from the stranger as the guards move into the tavern after hearing the bustle inside and seeing the carnage. And here's the the passage where we first see this magic. The Rivian I'm thinking Go ahead. I want to I want to name it because I want to name each one that he does throughout the series if he does more yeah. than just this. And I'm thinking it is Igni. So well it probably is once you hear this description you'll probably be sold on that. The Rivian straightened. He quickly pinned his blade under his left arm and with his right hand raised towards the guards, swiftly drew a complicated sign in the air. The clout nails which studded his tunic from his wrist to elbows flashed. Oh, it was his wrists and elbows. Okay. Oh, his so, tunic. Yes, yeah, yeah, his tunic flashed. I was yeah. thinking he did it to the guards, but now that I reread it, it was his. So, like, he, he, puts, his, that shit up, bro. he puts his sword under his left arm, holds it down. And then with his right hand, he's going complicated, very intricate, precise movements with his hands. And it then on his studded uh, wrist and elbows, they start flashing. They start getting hot. So it is Igni, isn't it? Igni, yeah. So these That's are the awesome. ones that we have. And so far, he's done Igni. We got Ard, which is a telekinetic wave. Yurden, which is Y-R-D-E-N, is a magical trap placed on the ground. Igni is his flames, and then Quen is a protective shield, and Axie is a charm. That's awesome. Dude, I can't wait yep. to see these. That is yeah. cool. I didn't I thought it was yep. cool because it reminded me kind of like Naruto when they do like ninjutsu and they're like ching 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 ching. Shadow clone jitsu. Not, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, and not to expose too much, but uh I think they are considered small spells. Okay. So he is not considered somebody that's like super powerful with the magic. It's not like he's a sorcerer or a wizard or he can fly around and shoot lightning bolts, but like he's like a battle mage. Can, yeah, I mean they're kind of like little helpful tools. Okay. It's kind of like, oh shit, I'm about to die and then boom, blast you back. That'll help. Well, even though it's a small spell, it had a big Still impact cool. on those guards. <laughs> So um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Is there any last thoughts that you have about um, how the start of this book has been? Uh, no, I, I really, honestly, I fell in love with it. In the yeah. first first five minutes I was reading it, it was just, I knew, I knew I was going to enjoy it more than I thought I was. And again, I think it comes down to the, 
how it was written more so than even what it's about but we know that what it's about is very interesting as well and i think that's it's going to be it's going to be fun yeah any any short story is going to be fun yeah and there since they are short story format it's not like a crazy amount of time you have to dedicate to it and i feel like you could really probably pick out any of these stories and if, if you're not liking one you could probably just skip to the next chapter you know um i don't think we'll do that though so far so good so uh with that um don do you have anything that you want to plug at the end of our no, episodes what we I, like to do uh, is uh just give the the other co-host a chance to plug anything that they have going on in their lives or anything like that no we are i am all good on okay all right well uh thank you very much for joining me don i'm looking forward to reading the rest of this book with you it's freaking awesome so far same cool well that's going to do it for this week's episode tune in next week for chapter 1.2 and 1.3 thank you for listening to random book club podcast